detective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. Happy Halloween to everyone. I hope everyone had a good time over the Halloween period. Jared, how was your Halloween set up? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Got some uh, solid viewing in. So that was good to be able to sort of revisit some things and check out some new ones. So, yeah, pretty good overall. Yeah, I punched a few films. Couple, I, I did a bit of shutter time. Yeah, I, I got around a little bit. It's surprising from the perspective of, you know, shutter has not, even in the lead up to Halloween. I mean, fuck, I didn't want to start on a bad bum note here. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> But I've been forced to. <laughs> Even in the Have lead you? up to Halloween. Or are you just you're just they, picking they fights just put, now? Uh, they just put nothing on there. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Because they started with a flurry. There was like three or four films hit in one day, and I thought, here we go. They've just been holding out until the season. But then, uh, yeah, that, that stalled very quickly. Yeah. Look, I just about shat my pants with excitement when I saw bloody... Joe Bob Briggs, The Last Drive-In, on there, and I've clicked on it, and it was just one of those silly hour-long pretend fireplace things for your TV with the Joe Bob jack o oh. I just about fucking threw my iPad out the window in rage. <laughs> <laughs> so, breaking it down, what did you actually watch? What did I watch? Well. What have you watched? So I kicked off with a couple of fan films, actually. I um, I actually got involved in a fan film as well. Yeah, well, I got into Happy Halloween, which was a Halloween Kills fan film. It was pretty good. Like aside from the you know the usual things you see in these in these fan films, which is sometimes acting and and this one seemed to have a few sound issues too here and there, mm. but the look of it was pretty solid. It was nice, you know, short and sharp. Pretty good, I thought. And How I, long? Uh, I think it was only about 12 minutes or something like that. And then, of course, I jumped on Never Hike in the Snow. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. It was good, but it wasn't as good as the first one they had. No, I felt the story really let this one down because you had Tom Matthews and the bloke that played the deputy, but it didn't really do anything with them. They really only had a handful of scenes. I really liked Well, I think a selection. Yeah, isn't there? Haven't they got a couple more in the pipe? I think so, but, I mean, the last one was nearly an hour, wasn't it? And this one was half yeah. an hour. Whether you got stuff in the pipe or not, it, like, it, it didn't really have a story, which was a bit unfortunate because I really liked some of the things they did with Jason. There was, there was, a, there yeah. was one or two scenes. There was a couple of things I didn't like. There was a couple of things where I felt like it was just, nah, we don't want to see that from Jason, namely the bow and arrow. Yeah, but there was a, a sequence where the, where he kills the guy in the cabin that I thought was excellent. Yeah, where he had the the guy had the body cam on. Yeah, I felt that stuff was really good in terms of what you're doing with Jason. But it just yeah, it just I couldn't get into it because there wasn't much happening for the characters there. So yeah, that was that was my fan film experience. I briefly jumped onto Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. Fuck, mate. We have never needed Bigfoot more. I was going to fucking tee right off here. <laughs> yeah. So, fucking get ready. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I didn't mind the first handful of episodes, 
although I felt like they, they went straight from the formula, these ones were even further away. And quite frankly, some of them were just clutching at straws. Like uh, there wasn't even these mysterious parts to it. It was just, it was just this one, here's a case and it's unsolved. But there was elements of it where it's like it doesn't, there's, there's not an interesting kind of hook in this. And it feels bad saying it because you want these cases to be solved from a, from a perspective of yeah. criminal cases. I, I feel cases. for the families mm. in a way because the treatment these cases get is fucking shocking. I mean, the, 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 new, the six new episodes are absolute and utter shit. They're poorly made, they're badly researched, they're fucking lazy. The whole thing is just a shambles. They need to get rid of it. Like if you're trying to if you're trying to buy into the heavily populated true crime market, that this sort of crap is not going to cut it. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Give me a host and get back to doing the stuff that the original series was. Yeah. That's I, I agree. You know, fucking Bigfoot knocked on my cabin door one night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's exactly what you need. Or you know, I went down. To, I went down to, um, to to the takeaway to pick up a pizza, and I got abducted by an alien on the way, or something like that. You know, this is what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just sprinkle that in there too. for a few days. And <laughs> yeah, then yeah. Left me back on the road. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> This that is this is, is a win- that's a winner. I mean, this is your stock and trade for unsolved mysteries. And if you don't have it, I'm not interested. If you're gonna have missing persons and things like that, they do need an element of the mysterious. Correct. I will give that one with the guy who worked for the Pentagon. Was yeah, Pentagon? yeah, that one was a bit strange. That one was intriguing, but there is just no effort. To provide, I mean, even the private investigators, they don't even tell us their fucking background. No, and so that's you're right. there going, oh, my years of experience, what experience? You haven't yeah. told us. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you you did 15 years in the police force or two yeah. years. I think if it's If you're just, a detective or a private detective. I, I reckon I, I could get a start on there and say, look, I, I've got um, 12 years' experience watching seasons one through 12 of Unsolved Mysteries, the original series, exactly. and I'm pretty, I'm pretty well-versed in this stuff. I think I've got a good grounding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's really lazy stuff. I'd be sitting just there going, rid of it. look, my, my first finding that, that was that there was, no, there was no hairs on the scene, so I ruled out Bigfoot early. Um, I think we can establish that. Beyond that, I'm none the wiser. I'm still looking. I've yet to rule out the fucking abominable stuff there, though, so <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. stick with me on this case. Yeah. But if you're not going to give me six episodes of Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, <laughs> I don't care. Give me anything. Yeah, fucking all that stuff. Give, it all, give us all of it. Um, but, yeah, like you watch the cases. There was none on, of it at all. You watch the cases on the original. A lot of the cases on the original, and they had you in for 15 minutes, and they laid out all the all that they had, and the things that didn't make sense, and they did it succinctly, sharply, and in the in yeah, yeah as we mentioned in the dulcet tones of Robbie Stack, you were just hooked. I mean, and Robbie even, Stack even- made the. The most ridiculous shit seemed plausible. I know. <laughs> Mate, I actually, after the first six episodes, I think I mentioned, I jumped back onto Amazon Prime because they had all of the old ones. 
And I was, yeah. I sat there one night. I went through about fucking ten episodes, and I was still <laughs> interested in the cases and stuff. Stack, so, stack had you caught. Stack had me. Stack had me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I just feel like it's a little bit lacking, and it's. I just don't think the yeah. cases stack up to an hour each or forty-five minutes each or whatever, whatever yeah. they are. And as you said, it feels bad because the treatment of a real case that they're attempting to solve, you almost feel bad saying, ah, fuck, I, I can't even be bothered finishing the last five minutes of the episode. Like, yeah, you're that, yeah. that bored with it. I mean, I, I, I'll go one step further and just say, look, this has no place. Yeah. Like, get rid of it. As far as I'm concerned, it does absolutely nothing new. In fact, it has gone backwards. Mm. So why even have it? Yeah. And I, you know, I understand people say, oh, something like, Oh, but it needs to be jazzed up for the new audience. But you just make, don't even call it Unsolved Mysteries. You're just making another true crime show. Well, that's right. But then again, this is the, the argument here is it didn't need to be jazzed up for the new audience because people are still fucking talking about how good the old one was. Yeah. And the old one's still around on streaming. That's right. Give me um, Robert Stack's br- um, son or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for that. And give us bloody hologra- a hologram of Robert Stack. Yeah, I'm sure you could recreate his voice using some high tech software. I see. I don't see why not. I think it's. I think it's possible. Beyond that, I, yeah, I mainly stuck to. Well, sorry, there was a couple more things that weren't Halloween, and then everything else was Halloween. So I went through High Score, which was a Netflix series about kind of the history of video games. Oh yeah, yeah, really cool. I like the way they like the way they did it. It was kind of one of those ones where a lot of it. They had a bit of tongue-in-cheek. They told it through the stories of people who won, like, tournaments that Nintendo had put on and things like this. So, yeah, it was good fun. If you got any interest in video games and you hung around arcades during the 90s and things like that, I think it's it's good fun. I checked out the Borat sequel. How was that? It was actually good. I was wondering how he was going to get away with it again. And there's parts where he clearly doesn't. But having his daughter kind of gets around that a couple of times and then he dresses up in other costumes and things like as if Borat was dressing up as someone else. And yeah, look, it's still funny. He still gets a few of those moments. But surprisingly, the whole daughter angle is actually kind of sweet. It's quite, it actually makes for a good, for good viewing. It's, it's kind of, it's, uh, yeah, it does the trick in that way. And then there's a handful of scenes, of course, where you're in stitches as you'd expect. So. Um, yeah. I would say check it out. The other interesting one I, I watched was A Death in the Family, which was the latest DC animated movie, but it's like yeah. a choose-your-own-adventure, which was a great idea. Like, when I saw it, I thought, this is great. And it's also based on the famous story in the comic book where they, they had a, a f- telephone vote on whether they would kill a character or not. So everything was lining up. I'm like, they've picked the storyline that, that has that kind of background. They're going to chuck it out on DVD with, with this choose-your-own-adventure style. Unfortunately, it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> it just didn't, didn't work out whatsoever. They seem to have just taken chunks of an older, better DC animated movie that also covered that, covered that story and repurposed large portions of it, but then chucked oh. a couple of other angles in that are really short. So I was sort of disappointed. I felt like if they had have decided to maybe hold off for a year and really commit to it, it could have been bloody good. 
And there's there's one particular sequence that's a new, you know, completely redone for this movie that's excellent. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, if you if you if you stick with this idea, there's something there. But I think they really butchered the first go at it, unfortunately. Right. Um, getting into the Halloween stuff, I jumped onto We Summon the Darkness, which I was finally able to get a copy of. Oh, I, actually, I thought it was great. It was, it was really good fun. It's the one with uh, yeah. Alexandra Daddario. Oh, um, yeah, Johnny her, Knoxville. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. So they're the little crew that's going to a heavy metal concert and there's kind of this satanic sort of ritual killings going on. Yeah, it was it was good. It, it throws a few twists and turns at you. It's good fun. So I would, I would say check that out. I got onto three out of the four Welcome to Blumhouse films on, Net, on uh, Amazon. Oh, yeah. So I checked out Evil Eye, which was a story based around arranged marriages in Indian culture. I checked out Nocturne, which was one based around, it was kind of like Black Swan, but this story involving two sisters who were both in this kind of music academy. Um, And I checked out The Lie, which which was uh, another one involving a girl who accidentally causes an accident with a friend and then, you know, they, they sort of lie about it to try to try to cover things up a little bit. They were all pretty solid. I think my favourite was Nocturne. Evil Eye, I felt like, was pretty solid idea and, and you know, as Blumhouse do, they mine something that hasn't, hasn't been done yet in some of these cases to, to find a, a, a thriller or a horror movie in there. I just felt this one didn't, didn't quite finish off all that strong. There was a couple of good sequences throughout, but it was just a little bit weaker overall. The lie, I thought, was probably my least favourite, and that was unfortunate because I thought the the actors that played the mother and the father were really solid, Um, but I just felt that one was really predictable and was a little bit kind of... Struggled for the depth, like the the idea only went so far in certain certain terms. I felt like they kind of, kind of tried to stretch the idea a little bit far. Supposedly, Black Box, the one that I haven't watched, is one of the better ones. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Hmm. I went back to Monster Squad. Oh yeah, actually watched it with my son, who was loving it. So I was yeah. I was very happy to be back involved in that one. That was always a good time. Halloween two eighteen was my selection out of that uh, series. So, yeah, it was good to go back to. My opinion didn't really change all that much. There's still a few issues with it, but overall I still really enjoy it and and very happy with how they brought the series back. Sleepy Hollow, our friends over at NBD covered that one. I thought, shit, I haven't watched that for a few years, so I I got – Got back onto that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. As they as they mentioned, there is a number of issues, but it's just got such a style and it's it's just a bit of a, an adventurous tone to it, even mixed up in all that mystery sort of nonsense that goes a bit far sometimes. But yeah, I really enjoy that one. It was good to go back to that. Yeah. And the last one was the Mortuary Collection on Shudder. Um, oh, I did watch that as well. Yeah. I actually thought that was one of the better anthologies I've watched in yeah. quite a while. It was really enjoyable. I thought the, um, the last story, The Babysitter, was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was cool. I did like that one. Just because it was a simple twist, but it kind of nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
and um, I thought it was really, really well made. Yep. I also didn't mind the one about the pregnancy. Yeah, that that was quite funny. It's fucking nasty. Like you knew something. You, you kind of in a in a few of the stories, you you kind of got the idea where it was going to go, but it was still very yeah. satisfying when it went there. And there was a hefty helping of humour, and obviously, you know, Clancy Brown's always a welcome addition. Clancy Brown. Yeah. There's plenty of gore too. It was fairly high, high sort of guts and gore stuff. So that's always handy. Yep. But that was it for you. Yeah, that was it. All right. As I as we already talked about, I saw Untold Mysteries. I saw Never Hike in the Snow. I saw the Mortuary Collection, uh, and I also watched Halloween 2018 mm. and Halloween 1978. Ooh. So I did that that pairing on Halloween night. Uh, I'm I'm still with you. I think Halloween 2018 has, has got its problems. I would watch Halloween 2018 any day of the week uh, than any shit that Rob Zombie's put out. Yeah, totally agree. Like, those Rob Zombie films have no business being in the Halloween series. So I finished the Mist TV series. Loved it. Yeah, look. Yeah, don't, don't bother. <laughs> okay. Like, it's not bad. It's just kind of... Uh, you can see why it wasn't a TV series. Mm. It, yeah, it shouldn't have been a TV series. The movie was the best way to handle it. It just kind of had a lot of shit going on, but none of it was super interesting. It was just the same old sort of shit that you would have seen in any survival-style show. So it was a little disappointing. Mm. I watched the first three episodes of Seduced, the um, documentary about Nexium yeah. on Stan. Jeez, they're a pack of cunts, aren't they? <laughs> oh, isn't it a, um, oh. like, you look at it and you think, how do you get mixed up in that? But then you see it from the people's perspectives and think, yeah, they clearly prey on people that are looking for something. Quite frankly, though, I wouldn't have the money to keep up the fucking programs. <laughs> no. I'd do the but first program and targeting say, people. Nah, look, I'm done. Sorry. Yeah. And we usually come in two grand for another session. No, mate, I'm tapped. Yeah, yeah. Can't help you. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that this is the thing, exactly what you said. When I started watching, I'm thinking, how do you get roped in by these people? Yeah. But as they sort of pull back the curtain, because it's it's primarily from the perspective of one particular member. Yeah, uh, India Oxenberg. Is that her? Yeah. I believe um, she stepped on Casper uh, Van Dien. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Little piece of trivia. Yeah. But as she unravels how they go about it. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of see how you get caught. You can. And there's, I don't know if this one's the same. I think it is. But The Vow, they show multiple clips of like inside the circle that people took from the volleyball games and stuff. Yeah. And you yeah, see, a bit of that stuff. you see the guy just psycho babbling people into. This kind of, he just kind of gets him in like a spell. They just look at him like this is the smartest guy alive, and just follow whatever he says. I think it's because they're always these people are looking for something new. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you look at any celebrity magazine, right? The celebs are always foosting some bullshit on us that. We should be getting involved in. We should be drinking fucking, you know, plant shakes and, <laughs> and you know, clearing out our asshole with bloody olive oil or something, you know. Like they're, always, yeah. they're always telling us some shit that then a doctor five minutes later goes, do not do that. Yeah, yeah. Look, mate, you haven't, <laughs> look, you haven't lived until you've had a bloody olive oil enema. 
Well, they, look, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You haven't lived if you haven't had a candle that smells like someone's vagina. <laughs> That's what the celebs are punching out these days. Well, at least you know know, the next time you have a blackout, things are going to be quite amusing and quite funny. (laughs) (laughs) Someone flicks a candle on and starts going, what's that smell? Oh, that's and just, I guess uh, what that's just that Gwyneth Paltrow's... Um, celebs can pedal... You know, celebs pedal this kind of shit all the time, and we listen. Because they're celebrities, yeah. we think they know something that we don't. And that was one of the selling points, right, is that they had people who had some yes. level of fame. Exactly. They had people who had money, fame, power. Mm. And so Keith Ranieri or whatever... He's st- all these rich people are looking up to him. So anyone else who comes in thinks, oh, this guy's the fucking man. Yeah. But he wasn't the man. No. He was just a sh- piece of shit who somehow parlayed this crap into this cult. Basically, that's what it is. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. It's a cult. Well, it was. A, it was I a. Mean, it, it was a cult with an element of a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Yeah, it ticked a few boxes. I mean, he was using all that shit, yeah, all those tricks. Yep. And you know, you, you're listening to these people who who have researched cults and they're you know they're they're, they're big into it, and they are just yeah. rolling it out there, going, "Yeah, well, this is how he would have done this, and this is how he would have done that." I mean, I'm surprised. And it's I'm, spot on. I'm surprised that he didn't run sessions in fucking. You know, he, he wasn't bloody healing people and talking in tongues, and you know, possibly doing some cold reading in another session. Like he no. was, he was, he was running a few from he was the constantly playbook. fucking crapping on about sessions that they were doing. Yeah, oh yeah, come in and do these sessions, and I'm thinking, what are you possibly learning this stage? <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, at she, what point do you say... I've been in next him for five years. Yeah, at what point do you say, Keith, I've done, I've done 165 sessions now. Um, what's, what's next? What, what, do I need, what more do I need here before I start seeing some results, mate? Well, that's Oh, and by the I way, mean, Keith, um, is Casper coming tonight? Because I've been coming with the hope <laughs> that I might bump into him. So <laughs> <laughs> reason I'm turning up. Yeah, like... And just look across the just look across the cults, you know, like fucking David Koresh, bloody Jim Jones, Charles Manson. They all did this exact same shit. Yeah, and it yeah. just shows that people, vulnerable people, looking to belong to something, Scientology. So it's, it's scary shit. It's scary shit to watch. And the third episode was quite confronting because it was actually all about the. The pyramid scheme that started the whole um, sex slave stuff, yeah. And she goes into great detail about being branded and stuff, and I'm just like, this is fucking barbaric. Yeah, you know, this that, is the kind of shit. The explanation, like the 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 um, talk of of that stuff, was fucking oh, horrific, fucking horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Yeah. So after <laughs> after that joyful experience. <laughs> <laughs> I I got into another series on Stan called Love Fraud. <laughs> yeah. This was piss funny, though, because it was like Tiger King. Yeah. This guy was marrying girls left, right, and centre, and he was basically what they were calling a nickel and dime con man. Yep. 
he would just get women to marry him and then he'd steal you know, a couple of grand and then he'd fuck off somewhere. Like he was a real, he was a real low life. He's a real catch by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you should have seen him. He was fucking not a catch at all. <laughs> God, he had a face Jason Voorhees to be fucking disgusted by it. Yeah. So, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And at the end they're talking to him and, he's like, and the woman goes, so how many times have you been married? And he goes, five. Then she just rattles off another five names. <laughs> he goes, she goes, so how many is that? <laughs> he goes, 11. <laughs> What's the... I'm using the spider Everett defence, mate. Did you fucking fax straight, mate? Yeah, I'm using the spider Everett defence. When I say five and they throw another five to six at me, I say, never prove it. <laughs> and I move on. <laughs> what I love about it too is he's just like... She mentions one name. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, but that was that was very short." <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm just like, come on, mate. You, the, the jig is up. Oh. <laughs> just lay the cards on the table. How far is it? Just how, get out there. How far into the backstory do they go? Because I want to, I want to find out like the point in this bloke's life where he thought, well, you know. Bugger a nine to five. I'm just going to marry people for <laughs> for a living. Yeah, they they do go back into his his, his life, but it's kind of hazy. <laughs> so you're you telling know, me like, there could be another there could be another collection that they didn't well, get access there to. Probably is that, that that's the thing. I think it's pretty fair to say there's probably a few other women who haven't <sighs> come forward. So how quick are we talking about from meeting to oh, marriage? Some of them we're talking. Month, a couple of months. One woman left her husband after meeting him at the fucking karaoke bar. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh man! <laughs> so what did, did, did they have? Twenty five years for this bubble. <laughs> did they happen oh, to mention what? It's just it's look. It's pretty good fun. Did they it's have? Not, to... It's not up to Tiger King standards, but it's <laughs> kind of in that kind of amusing sort of. Kind of like um a little bit like Dirty John, but not as dark. Did they did they happen to mention what tune he won her over with? Oh, I can't. I'm assuming he got up on the mic and did a did a bit of lost that love and feeling or something like that. He might have. Look, it, it was in the it was in Texas, so he probably got up there with a little bit of honky tonk oh, style stuff. Yeah. All right. So what else do I get into here? I jumped on Shutter for a triple pack of Hell House, which is a found footage one about a group of guys starting up one of those scare things like we went through at Movie World. Yep. And for about an hour, it's fucking super creepy. Like, there is shit happening, and because it's all done in camera, you know, like with um, guys walking around with GoPros and shit, it's fucking creepy as shit. You know, like, there's these clown um, models that they keep, like these full-size, life-size clowns that they use. Yep. And fucking one minute the guy walks past it and says hello. So he turns around. It's fucking, it's it's about, it's right behind him again. Yeah. And it's fucking head turns when it shouldn't. And all this, like, it was really, really well done for about an hour. And then, of course, it goes off the rails and just ends with a bit of a kind of like, oh, that was disappointing. 
because it's kind of it's kind of a mixture of found footage and kind of like like Mungo, yeah, the doco doco drama style stuff. So it's not too bad. I believe there's three of them on there. Shit, I don't know how there's sequels, but still worth a look. I watched another one called Can't Take It Back, which was about a group where they they they'd sort of bullied this girl online, and then anyone who'd written on the page was now being kind of haunted by her mm-hmm. and killed. Now, nah, look, standard stuff. Not the worst thing I've seen, but not great. And then I watched Scare Me. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that on there? No. Oh, well, I have, but I haven't watched it yet. It's on my list. It's a really good idea in the sense that two writers are sort of stuck in a cabin together and they start telling each other stories to scare each other. But I thought it was going to be an anthology, but it's not. It's, it's kind of like a two-person play. It was kind of a bit kind of like disappointing. It's well made and everything and well acted, but I was just kind of like, well, I was hoping that they'd tell a story and it would segue into showing that story. (laughs) Yeah. I was a bit disappointed. And the last thing I watched was the Creepshow animated Halloween special. Oh, yeah. I actually, look, I watched the the first half. I haven't gone back to the The Survivor type? I watched the Survivor type, yeah. Look, that was the better one. Yeah. But it's that is a that is Stephen King at his highest. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty like, full on. You know, the story's not really about much. It's kind of And this is, is the it, thing. It's sort of Stephen King's boxing Helena. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> that might not be fair to Stephen. To survive, you basically eat yourself down to the fucking nubs of your knees. Like, I mean, is that is that really a story? <laughs> yeah, I did, I don't think it has long enough to get into necessarily what King was going for. Maybe the thing about it is, if you had a Halloween special, just have one story. Yeah, and and give us build, some time to build into it. Well, I don't. I, because I, I thought I thought maybe that wasn't a bad idea the way that they went the t- the two short twenty minute sort of things. I feel the issue is the animation. Yeah, the animation wasn't great, but it's not. Look, it's I not just bad. Build into a story that's that you've got forty minutes to cover. Yeah, and I see. I I, I like sticking with the model because the episodes to Creep Show were about that length. The stories were about that length. I was yeah. I was okay with that, and I love the idea of going with like Stephen King stories that haven't haven't been adapted yet. I mean, fuck! If you can yeah. find one, you can <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's a motion comic essentially, yeah, um, because they're they're just comic panels that move a little bit. So they've only got a certain amount of time too. So you got to pick a story of Kings that will fit twenty minutes, yeah, twenty two minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking something like the the jaunt, which hasn't been done, which is a really, really great short story. Yeah. But it's probably too long. Yeah, and and parts of the jaunt don't really fit the creep show vibe. I don't think either. No, they Whereas don't. This but... one, this one did in the certain things that they showed. Um, oh, God. But look, I just feel like the animated stuff it worked in the show in those short snippets. Because it fit that style, yeah. but then when you go into a full forty minutes of animation, calling it the animated special, it's a slight stretch. Yeah. But 
you know, that's not to say I didn't enjoy enjoy what I saw. So, yeah, look, I wouldn't have called it great stuff. No, it's it not great. Okay. It's 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 passable. It's not as good as some of the episodes of the series, but you know, if yeah. you like the series, you watch it basically. Yeah. So that was everything for me. So coming back to Halloween, obviously Halloween Kills put out its first sort of teaser. Yep. Which was more than just. 10 seconds or whatever the first one was. It was about a minute long. Is that not uh, I think it was only about 30 seconds, really. 30 seconds. It wasn't a lot of it. It's, it's, yeah. It is what it is. A teaser. It didn't showcase much, but it doesn't stop me. Like, it doesn't dampen my enthusiasm any for it. No. It did enough to show us all the characters and a few little bits of Michael doing stuff. And yeah. I'm happy that they... Because they've got another 12 months to wait before this comes out. So they can't just drop a full trailer and let us sit on that for a while. No, that's right. Unless things, you know, but, well, basically, even if things do change, they've committed to pushing it back for the next Halloween season. So, yeah, I think it was pretty clever the way they put yeah. it out. I ended up watching the whole Blumfest, the whole sort of two-hour uh, session on YouTube. So I had a little look at them talking to Jamie Lee Curtis and David Gordon Green and those guys as well. And, you know, they're still saying the same things about how it's it's swinging for the fences in terms of the story. It's going to get a little bit crazy possibly and how they're ramping up the kills and all that sort of stuff. So, right. look, I'm, I'm still well in for that one. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a break. And here's the trailer for 2017's Get Out. We're here. Are you ready for this? How bad can it be? Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. We're thrilled to have you up for the get-together. I want to introduce Rose's boyfriend. I'm Chris. Good to see no brother around here. Something is weird. Come in and sit with us. Sink. I can't move. Why can't I move? You're paralyzed. Get out. Get out. Get out. Written and directed by Jordan Peele, who gave us us. It's produced by Jordan Peele, Jason Blum, who produced Halloween 2018, Edwin H. Ham Jr., who produced The Box, and Sean McKittrick, who produced Black Klansman. It stars Daniel Kalawaya as Chris Washington, Alison Williams as Rose Armitage, Catherine Keener as Missy Armitage, Bradley Whitford as Dean Armitage, and Little Rel Harley as Rod Williams. It was $4.5 million budget and made $255 million worldwide, and it was filmed in 23 days. All right, Jared, what is your take on Get Out? I said before we came on here, I may be, I may be going... A little overboard on this one, but I I just love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I don't think it's a stretch to call it a modern classic. That's how far I'm going. It fits right in those categories of the good horror movie slash thriller thriller sort of situations often have something to say. This one very clearly does. Yep. So I think it stands up very well against things like the hereditaries and, and those sort of films of, of this kind of similar, similar era. I actually think it's a little bit more accessible even than those ones, but it's certainly got 
a hell of a lot to say. I don't know if exciting is the word, but it definitely has you kind of on edge. The way that it's yeah. the way that it's shot, the way characters are acting. There's this creepy vibe that goes all the way through it. I think I've said it before. Like he's only made those two movies, but Jordan Peele is just so like everything is is meticulously planned out. So. Like part of me wants to go for a five. I, I, I don't think I can go that far because I don't think it, it is quite there, but a four and a half easily for me. Yeah, it's an exceptional... I, I, I'm calling it a thriller, really, but it's, it's got, you know, it's got something to say. It's got social commentary in there. It's got horror moments. It's got humour at times that mm. is, is very funny. Uh, it could have worked on all of those fronts, you know. Like it's that well layered that it could have worked in any any way you wanted to go. You could have got almost like cross genres sort of thing. Yeah. The acting is just outstanding, and the direction is it's a fucking masterclass of being able to just make you sit there and think, "What's going on?" But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You kind of tensed up the whole time. Yes, correct. You know, it's a it's a uh, all around sort of fantastic movie, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there at four and a half. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where the first experience of watching it is a, is a cracker because you're just sitting there for such a stretch going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, yeah. what's actually going on? And you start, to, you know, you get little clues here and there and start to piece things together. But, yeah, it was just such an enjoyable watch that first time around but then rewards you with the repeated viewings because you see things you didn't see, you see the foreshadowing, you pick up on the things yeah. that Jordan Peele did. And, like, I finished it today and I was, honestly, if I had time, I probably would have gone straight back in with the commentary on and just watched it again yeah. straight away. To see where all this sort of came from. And one of the things, you know, that sort of start the likes for me is that in these sorts of movies, and, yeah, the whole idea is that why wouldn't you leave? You're getting a vibe that something's not right. Why wouldn't you just leave? Yeah. But the film does such a good job of kind of like things are weird, but they're not too weird. Yeah, that's right. Like they're uncomfortable enough to have you going, well, yeah, and part of the thing is Chris is kind of uncomfortable because he's African-American and he's, he's going to his, his white girlfriend's family's place. So he's already uncomfortable Yeah, to start with. Yeah. So the uncomfortable isn't enough for him to, to get out of there. Yeah, that's right. And so I they, think, just, I they think... just ramp that, un- that discomfort up for him, but not too much. Yeah. And Until you know they 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 finally give you the, the the idea of what's actually happening, and by then it's too late. And I think this is one you know. of the things that you know I picked up, and you know I've read widely about this since you know three to four articles, uh, max five hundred words, because otherwise I'd start to get you know I'd start to fall asleep and, and drift off if if it was longer you've than read, that. You've <laughs> read a couple of short pamphlets about a couple this, of short pieces on it, but no, and and hearing Jordan Peele talk about it, it, it it's so. You get the sense, and just, you know, as we've said before, a couple of middle-class white guys talking about this, but he crafts this yeah, yeah. He crafts this movie so well that you are totally understanding what he's going, what he's going through when he's, walk, when, when he's walking through that party 
and people are saying yeah. strange things. I mean, the way that Jordan Peele and and um, Daniel uh, Shivers, what's his last name? Daniel. Um, cool. Cool. Is it Kelly? Kalaya? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, I didn't have the name in front of me. I've forgotten his name briefly there for a second. But the way that they put it was so spot on. They said, look, as black people, if I'm at a, at a situation where the rest of the, the party or whatever is full of white people, there's a situation where they, there's this uncomfortable kind of awkwardness where they're trying to be kind of nice and everything's yeah. coming across as nice, but there's this simmering sort of undercurrent of they start talking about what it's like to be black and things like that. Yeah. So he's crafted this thing where you see in that party and as Chris, he plays it so well that, as you said, it's uncomfortable and it's weird, but he there's this sense of when he's walking through the party, I've seen this shit before and I don't, wanna, I don't necessarily want to be at the party, but I'm not running for the hills just yet, you know? Yeah. And even small things like his phone getting disconnected and yeah. all those little tiny things that kind of come across throughout, they're not enough to push him out the door. Yeah, that's right. Until he realises there's some real bad things going on and by then everyone's turned yeah. on him. And that was another um, thing. So that's a really, really nice way to sort of do it. And you talked about the foreshadowing before and I'd forgotten about this, but the whole thing with the deer. Mm. How he goes back and the deer's sort of screaming in pain, and he's he's looking at it, and then it's all, it's almost like a, a sort of like he he kind of empathises with the deer or whatever, and then later on the deer, yeah, you know, when he's when he's tied to the chair, yeah, and the deer's heads, he's looking directly at the deer's head, yeah. I just thought those sort of things were cool, a little callback and sort of like. Foreshadowing something was was not right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I really I really dug that sort of stuff because I forgot all about that bit. And yeah, the cop pulling them over, and then the, you know that he kind of racially profiles him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, just little tiny bits, and the way she jumps to his defence. Mm. So it's again taking the heat out of what ends up happening later. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, these guys are obviously tight, you know, and she, she's got his back and all that sort of stuff, but then that doesn't come to pass. No. You know, so I, I just loved all that sort of shit. It just kind of, it was just there, but it was, and, and you're looking at it and you're just sort of wondering where it fits in. And it all fits in. Yeah. Even going back before that, I'd totally forgotten about the opening scene of Andre being being taken in the car. I don't know oh, why yeah. I don't know why I'd forgotten about it. I think just everything came afterwards kind of just was so like it just blew my mind when I first saw it. So to see that sequence again and how well it's directed, I was just like, yeah. fuck, I'd completely forgotten this was in the movie, but it sets everything off, you know, of him walking down a street that looks like something out of Halloween and he's obviously not comfortable in the situation even there because he's just kind of walking down the street as a as a black man in a in an affluent neighborhood you can see he's uncomfortable as soon as the car starts slowing and whatever but the way that he it's directed where it sort of starts in front of him and then the car goes past and it stays on the car like it's all this long shot and it follows yeah. him around and then 
when he turns around and starts walking the other way, the car goes out of shot and then it comes back into shot and the doors open. It's such a good scene. It was so, so like just a nice little way to start the movie off. And I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. Yeah. And just, you know, his, the bloke's direction is just, he's just, for a first, he was, a, that was a first time. Yeah, yeah. First time director, first, yes. Yeah, on the, on the film. Feature film. I think he, uh, I, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he directed the skits on Key and Peel and things like that. But in terms yeah. of directing the movie and writing, yeah. writing the movie, that was, that was the first time. He's such a sure hand, selection of scenes and stuff. And as you said, very meticulous about what he wants. I mean, I said the same thing about Ryan Coogler with Creed, you know, the idea that he'd only made a couple of films, I think. Yeah. And he said such a real, such a great sort of handle on that material, but this is just top notch. Yeah, I would agree. Forget about being a first-timer for, by fucking anybody. Mm, yeah. Like, most directors wouldn't, wouldn't have put a, a film this, crafted a film like this, in their careers, so it's it's just a really really well directed film. I dug on the acting. I think everybody fits the role, yep. fits their roles perfectly. The two leads are great. I actually think Alison Williams is quite good in that role because she's got to kind of play both sides a little bit. I really love Brad Bradley Whitford. Yeah, he was gold. He's such a fucking white guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's so it's, he's just so and all that shit he does, where he when he when he first gets Chris and they're talking and he shows him his ancestors and how oh he lost out lost out to God Jesse Jesse Owens Jesse Owens, he talks about how Obama's his favorite president and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> and again it's that same stuff that you were just saying, it's awkward yeah, there's something awkward about the discussions yeah that simmering sort of where. Overdoing, we're overdoing it, but underneath you can still see there's things there that are popping up that it's like, yeah, this, this is not necessarily okay for you. <laughs> like, yeah. And during that conversation, when they're looking at the photos on the wall, you notice that there's pictures of his his um his family, and there's you know African American help, mm. you know, like in the photos and stuff and exactly what, what they've got in their home. And he's kind of like that whole sequence where he starts saying, oh, look, I know how it looks. looks bad, but I couldn't, I, you know, I, they came to look after my father and I couldn't let them go and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Again, it's just that, that whole conversation is just like, it sounds made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like it just seems like it's not, it's, it's not a legitimate story. Yep. You know, as we said, there's there's plenty that Jordan Peele has to say in the movie, and some of it kind of goes into kind of subtle things that he does. But then there's other ones where he brings up sort of conversation starters straight away. You know, he, you know, he said he wanted this film to be accessible. He wanted representation and to see himself in in horror movies, but he also wanted it to be like a, a an experience for everybody to to see. And things like where they're they're Going to the, they're packing, and he says to her, "Do they know I'm black?" Yeah, I was just like, "Fucking hell!" Like, imagine having to say that to someone. Like, yeah. it's just just something that you never ever kind of considered, and you're like, "Fuck!" Like, yeah, like I, I, I personally, I've never been in a situation where 
you know, if there's a, there's an involvement with somebody, that that sort of thing is going to be. I'm worried that that's going to be a problem for someone. And I'm just like, oh yeah. fuck. That's that. That's one of those conversation starters. As he said, he wanted people talking about the experience. That was one of the first things where I was like, shit. Yeah, there's just sort of sobering kind of moments in the film. So yeah, I sort of appreciated that he put things like that in there. In amongst all, the, like some of th- some of the things are right in front of your face, and then other things are a little more subtle, and you kind of you kind of may not pick them up without sort of going back to it. Yeah, and the things that some of the things that I um in that uh, opening stuff, you know, where Walter and Georgina feel like they're from like the fifties mm. or the forties, the way they're dressed, the way they the dress, way they speak, the haircuts, and things like that. Yeah, the way they sort of speak, it's kind of like they're from a, a an era where slavery mm. was around, that type of thing. So I kind of, I, I really like the way he kind of had that that happening. Yeah, um, that sequence where Walsh is running at him. Oh fuck! <laughs> that was awesome. What the fuck's going on there? Well, like I I remember seeing that for the first time, and it was like a it was a sort of. It wasn't a jump scare, but it was. It was like this prolonged, you're sitting there going, is he going to stop? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And it kind of freaked you out. It was sort of, yeah, it was just absolute gold. Just that that image of him just coming out of nowhere and fucking steaming out of the trees. (laughs) Yeah, and that whole sequence where he gets up in the middle of the night and first we see Georgina sneaking around behind him. Yep. And then we, he goes outside and Walter comes charging at him and then veers off. And then when he turns back around, Georgina's standing at the window looking at him. Yeah. The whole sequence is just, ah. Yeah. Well, it had me off kilter. Like, it just had me sitting there going, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were, they were excellent, those two, in, in those roles because they had to put on those voices that were like the old white couple in the African-American bodies. And they yeah. kind of they pulled off the accents and stuff really well, but in doing so, gave it this real creepy delivery. And the, you know, they the, sound almost like robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Stepford Wives There's sort of stuff. Really, really strange about the way they talk and the cadence and everything. And the same thing occurs with Logan King. Yeah, yeah. He, he's especially, or even a little bit more with him. The other thing about him too is he is quite. Obviously, a man in his thirties. Yeah, but yet he talks and moves like a man in his sixties or seventies. Yeah, you know, uh, such a interesting and and weird sort of thing to see. Yeah, definitely. But that that little sequence with him was, uh, yeah, it was excellent because it was just this whole thing about how he said it was. It was sort of. That was where it was starting to ramp up that something's, something is odd, like something is wrong here, and that was just before he starts to kind of get to, yeah, all right, I've got to get out of here. But it just served to keep this creepy kind of vibe going. A couple of those conversations with those characters that just sort of set this, this really eerie feel to it all. Yeah. I really like the scene where he gets hypnotised for the first time. Yeah. It's, again, it's one of these, it's kind of building tension and creating this kind of menace to everything. But there's not, you know, it's not like he's 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 in danger or anything. 
No, and they leave it hanging. She's talking quietly to him about certain things in his life and she's, you know, stirring the tea and everything like that and he's getting emotional and, you know. Yeah, the idea of of leaving that and having him just wake up the next day I thought was a great call too Mm. because you still weren't entirely sure. Because we don't know what happened in between. Yeah, and you still weren't entirely sure that that was all menacing on her behalf. I mean, it yeah. seemed pretty clear that it was, but then they'd spoken about, oh, he's gonna hip- she's going to hypnotise him. And then he also does talk about the cigarettes, that he doesn't want one. And like, so you But doesn't like, he wake oh, okay. up in the position that we'd previously seen him sitting there with his iPad and she's in the bathroom? Yeah, I think so. That's right, because he's, he's sitting there and she's cleaning her teeth and then they go away from that. They have all that stuff involving Walter running at him and everything. Comes back inside, she hypnotises him. He wakes back up and he's sitting there in the exact same position with the iPad and she comes out of the bathroom. Yeah. It's kind of indicating that not not much time has gone by. Mm. So it's a really sort of a mind-trippy sort of thing. It's kind of – I remember looking at that and thinking, so what happened? Did he – he hasn't moved? Like when when did he get hypnotized? Like what's it's kind of like not a hundred percent sure how it all happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's no there's no understanding that she may have done something to him, other than the cigarettes. You know, you get the idea that something might be happening, but you're not really sure. You're not really sure what it is, what's actually going on there, and so it leaves this kind of lingering sort of thing there for you to, to mull over for the next few scenes. And they just have these little pieces during the party that it's it's sort of peels just tightening the screws a little on you. Yeah. Throughout the party. The whole conversation with Logan King that he kind of doesn't seem to almost react to the whole thing where Chris kind of like says, oh, yeah, another, another African-American guy here at the party. You know, it's almost like he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to say it, or he doesn't know it that he's he's African American. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really weird conversation. But then the bit that got me is he when Chris walks back inside and goes upstairs, everyone goes fucking silent. Yeah, <laughs> everyone stops him. and kind of watches. Yeah, yeah. That was. I'm like, what's going on with that? Yeah, it was a creepy visual too. Yeah. And where they're all just kind of partying full swing and then everyone just stops and turns and looks. It's just yeah. like, yeah, that was – the whole party scene was, was great, especially the way that they're all kind of pointing out their – the way that they uh, they appreciate African-American culture and stuff like that, like the golfer. Loves Tiger. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a professional golfer. Oh, yeah, I know Tiger. I love Tiger. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's just sort of everyone goes through, especially the guy talking about how it's fashionable fashionable to be black now. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you going on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go and get some fucking finger foods and shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I really liked about the film was the humour, for the most part, I've got one slight dislike to a little piece of... Not necessarily humour, but Rod in specifically. Mm. 
the humor's pretty well spaced. It's not it's not too distracting. Yeah. Like it doesn't come in at inopportune times or feel like they're kind of dragging a joke out for too long or something like that. I mean, his conversation about Jeffrey Dahmer is fucking piss funny. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that was. <laughs> he does have quite a few good moments in there. He's actually yeah. one of my likes. I know some people would were possibly a little bit turned off by the character, but I thought it was that he was nice, a nice little break in the action sometimes, a nice little and, – and if it yeah, wasn't look, funny, it probably would have come across as grating, but I found most of it funny. Yeah, but I don't think he overstayed his welcome. No, Other than no one way. little section. Um, for the most part, he's not a, a big player until near the end. Yeah, yeah. Some of that falls into the dislikes, but I'll get to that, but – I think for the most part the humour works because it's not – it kind of – it also works as a way of kind of like releasing the valve for you. Yeah. So we're, we're ratcheting up the tension. We're making you feel uncomfortable to watch this film. Then we let the pressure off a little bit because we bring Rod in and he cracks a few jokes and we just let the let things go for a bit and then we come back to the party and – Again, tension goes up. Yeah, well, that's right. It's part of like a roller coaster, right? We get a we get a moment where we're like, "What the fuck?" and then we get a little bit of rod to kind of un- unleash it, and then they kind of wind us up again. Exactly. And that sequence where he, he takes the photo of Logan, mm. and he, the whole facade cracks, and then he starts going, "Get out! Get the fuck out of here!" You know, and screaming at him and all that. Another nice way to kind of like, and that was after the conversation with Rod. So again, we've released the tension a little, then we've jacked it up again with this whole thing of now things are starting to get really strange. Mm. You know, it's not just my phone got knocked off its charger. You know, there's a few uncomfortable comments while I'm walking around the party. Now things are getting really, really weird. Yeah. So we're moving into like the second act. Where he's kind of pushing us in the direction that this is this is now going too far, and Chris is starting to realise that he may not be safe. Yeah, and I think one of the points that Jordan Peele made is he didn't want Chris, and you've kind of brought it up yourself. He didn't want Chris to be the guy in one of these movies who was making decisions that wouldn't be logical, and yeah. I think he he hit. The mark on that, because as you said, he's in a situation that's uncomfortable, but not necessarily that would have you running for the hill. But when it does get a little strange, he does make that call. He does say, "We got to get out of here. I'm, I want to go." Yeah, so because he does enough digging to realise that there's something weird going on with all the photos that he finds of Rose with different African American guys. But he actually, he finds them after he's already made that call. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's, as he's packed his bag. Yeah, that's right. So he makes the decision. He makes the decision that this is not right. This is not comfortable. This is this is really weird, and it's getting to where I'm not. I'm not feeling safe. And does make the call to leave, and then finds them as they're as they're going while, while she's kind of stalling. Almost. And that sequence involving them coming downstairs, 
Yeah, yeah. The whole family coming in to surround them. Yeah, Rose, the keys. It's super tense because you just don't know. It's like kind of on a knife's edge, mate. You don't know where she's gonna where she's gonna fall. Yeah, that's right. And he she's keeps really saying the important domino is which way is she gonna fall? And is she actually in his? You know, is she got his back or is she part of this? That's right. And Daniel Kaluuya again is just his his performance is just excellent. When he keeps yeah. kind of saying, Rose, the keys, Rose, the keys, Rose, and he keeps kind of the getting agitated keys. and, yeah. yeah, just great stuff. And that's the, you know, I've never seen, as you said, Bradley Whitford is the whitest man alive <laughs> yeah. standing in front of the fireplace and I'm looking at him going, this is fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, the, and this is where they bring back the hypnotism. Yes. So they've kind of conditioned you that he was hypnotised, but we don't know what went on. Mm. And then when they bring it back, we find the sunken place. We see kind of where he goes. Yep. Which was great, you know, again, another sort of like little piece where it's kind of like we're just going gonna, gonna to sort of unwrap this again and show you where he went the first time. This is where he is now, and this is how he can control him. And I, I thought that shit was fantastic. It's just kind of, it, it just sort of brings everything to the fore, and it's a really tense sequence. Mm. This this was the funniest part of the entire film for me, where Rod goes to the cop shop to explain uh, <laughs> the detectives. Yeah, yeah. That, and when he says that they've abducted African-American people, they're brainwashing, they're keeping us sex slaves. And the woman goes, the detective goes, hold on a second. And next thing you know, he's telling the exact same story to like three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then they all start laughing and she just turns around and goes, don't tell me I don't do anything for you. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was so funny. <laughs> I agree. That was peak, Rod. And, and the... the um female detective actually kind of ramped his shtick up a notch because she just wasn't having it. And then, you know, when, <laughs> when he shows the picture of, of um, Andre in the in the kit, in the old man's yeah. kind of suit, and he says, oh, he's married, a, he's married a white woman twice his age or something like that. And she starts chuckling and goes, <laughs> explains the outfit and starts fucking, you know, <laughs> explaining away what he's saying. They, those two together were excellent. As you said, she brings the two the two um, other cops in and their reaction to kind of hold off until he's finished the story and then kind of gradually just start <laughs> bursting into laughter. Yeah, brilliantly, brilliantly played out. And again, it again takes us away. Like the tense situation involving Chris trying to leave and then being hypnotised, we then segue back to Rod and we, we have a laugh. Yeah. And then we come back and, and Chris is tied to the chair. Yep. And we go into the next phase. I really, really, really like the discussion between Chris and Jim Hudson mm. on the TV. Yes. I mean, that shit is played so well by both actors. And one of the things that I really liked is, you know, the whole idea that why, why, why black people? He says to him, why black, why black people? And he's like, you know, some people just want to be cool and, you know, all this type of stuff. And he just says, I, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about the colour of your skin. I, I want your eyes. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of... It's just like, fuck. You know, it starts digging into the deeper parts of it about, like, cultural appropriation and, and yeah. you know, picking and choosing what you want and, and not yeah. actually living the experience and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's... that's These are the parts where you can go really, really deep into it. And it works on that level. But as you said, it also works just on a level of two actors doing really good work. Yeah. And I also love that the TV's... An old-fashioned oh. one, and they're talking via an intercom. Like the introduction video to the process with the with the grandparents and everything, it's sort of got a Twilight Zone vibe to it, especially given that yeah. it is on one of those old TVs. Fucking Carl Malden. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> Carl Malden giving us a fucking run through on <laughs> it's, whatever the hell that shit was. <laughs> it's just um, again, it's it's Jordan Peele, right? I think he he knows these influences and he's got his reasons for doing all this stuff. He doesn't just say, I want to scream there and I want to talking to each other. I think yeah. he, he very much gets into the process of exactly what he wants. But you hit the nail on the head about that sequence. It can be looked, it can be viewed at, viewed in a number of different ways. And that the film in general can be viewed in so many different Ways as well, and that's what I was saying before. It could be a a, a dramatic piece. It could be a, a it, it could be a comedy. You know, like in parts, it it could be a horror film. It, it kind of has these layers that uh, make it such an interesting experience. You know, mm. like it's not just watching a movie, a horror movie. It's you got to think. You got to dig into it a bit more. You can you can s- scratch the surface. You can just go with a surface level if you want, but you can dig into it a little bit more, and you can get deeper into other things that are being said. Yeah, and I think that's that that is you know rare. I think you know, at, especially in a horror film. Well, this is why I said that I feel like it's a modern classic already, is because. Mm. When I make a comment like that, I'm thinking about what is going to be something that we're going to be watching in 20 or 30 years' time and still pouring yeah. over and looking at the significance that it had on the landscape. And I, I think this one is just hits so many of those marks. It was such a refreshing kind of thing too. Like it was so different. Even removing sort of parts of its significance to a group of people and a culture, it's a really mm. good story. And it's got the yes. bones of a really solid story, and then adding that layer of, of what you were saying, you know, adding adding that that significance to what it's what it's done for African American people in, in cinema in that sense. I mean, it's just absolutely. I, I feel comfortable in saying that that I won't look like a dickhead in, you know, ten years time. No. <laughs> making a comment like that. No, agreed. It makes me want to revisit us. Uh, yeah. Even though I did not like us. Well, that's and that's I, I've actually I was thinking exactly the same thing. I actually dug them both out of the DVD uh, cupboard. I'm the same. I didn't like us as much. I didn't dislike it though. I know you had some things about it you really disliked. I was probably a bit more um, positive on it, but I also haven't gone back for another rewatch yet since I've owned it, and I'm actually really looking forward to doing that again because hopefully I'll get. A similar experience that I got to this one, that it was it was possibly even better this time around. See, I came out of this the first time seeing it high on it. Yeah, yeah, same. Anyway. Yeah. And so to see it again, I felt that I got 
probably even higher on it yeah. than I'd, I had been. Uh, and I kind of really, really enjoyed watching it again. Yes. I came out of us very, very underwhelmed. I didn't find it at all that interesting. But I'd suggest there's a lot more to it there than I perhaps got. I didn't feel, you know, we talk about accessibility. I didn't feel it was that accessible. No, well, I, I, I thought it was it... not on the same level as this one in that in that sense. For no, sure, no, no. I felt maybe it was a bit. Maybe it was for me. Maybe it was a, a major disappointment because of how good this was. Well, I felt like he got this one like pitched perfectly. It was. Yeah. It said what he wanted to say. It had those messages in it, but it didn't get sort of tangled up in that. Whereas I think us probably did a little bit. Yeah. Which, but it, which but dragged. It be worth looking back on us again. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go back to opportunity sure. to see kind of maybe I missed maybe I missed something maybe missed some things here and need to look back. The finale is is great. Yeah, it just descends into brutal violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which again, that's what yeah. Even throwing in that, you know, a film that has kind of spent the first hour and twenty minutes being a slow burn kind of tightening the screws type of film then just descends into a, a, a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah. You know, dishes up the gore and stuff that you, as a horror fan, so that, that, I think when we talk about accessibility, that's what, that comes into play, you know. Yeah. It's accessible to modern horror fans, to gore hounds. It, yeah, it just kind of finds the, the balance for everybody. Yeah, and I think this is, you know, th- there is a lot of those little bits where we've just spoken about how he's meticulous with what he does. I mean, I got the bit about picking the cotton. I was looking at that and I'm like, yeah. he's picking cotton. There's, you know, there's symbolism, there's messages yeah. there. When he was doing it, I was like, he's using some strange things there to kill him, but I guess they're, you know, they're what is there. And then, you know, hearing Jordan Peele sum it up as, yeah, that he was using their little pieces of, you know, um, really – Uniquely white privilege, like who else has a fucking deer head hanging on the wall yeah. other than rich white people and stuff? And I was looking at it like, yeah, yeah, he's right. You know, getting getting knocked out with a botchy ball, and shit like that. It's it's got it. That's that's where it's got a bit of that comedy, a bit of that social commentary. But as you said, yeah. it's it's got the violence and everything there as well for the people that, that if that's what they're looking for. But yeah, I thought the finale was was really good. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I, I really got a kick out of him stomping the shit out of the son's head. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> the son was an absolute fucking pain in the ass. Oh, from the, like, from the get-go. Not in a bad a, way. Yeah. It was obvious what they were going for. Well, again, he was I think kind it of was... a loose cannon. He could be potentially a problem. Yeah, I think it was a good acting performance, right? He was, again, yeah. he was uh, – and I, I – I, meant to sort of mention this before, but the the scene where he's talking about the MMA is yeah. a very creepy scene just because he's he is clearly off from the start. You know, he's got a few drinks under yes. the belt and starts you can see he wants to get the process going. He's he, he's fucking itching. Well he goes to put a submission hold on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes to the run of you know, this run of creepy scenes. It starts with that Gets to the overnight scene with Walter fucking steaming out of the trees, the yeah. the hypnotism. Walter when he has the conversation, I reckon that's possibly 
other than other than Andre, Walter's little fucking minute of conversation there with him is very he's creepy as well. Yeah, he's chopping the wood, and when he starts talking, yeah, oh yeah. you mentioned you know we've already mentioned the accents, but yeah, that whole run that starts with the brothers scene is is excellent. But I thought that scene was creepy because the brother was, as you said, such a I don't know. He was just he, kind of on screen. You were he's just kind of like, trigger, mate. He could be, he could, he could ruin the whole thing. You know, like he's the kind of guy that he's not just going to, you know, quietly go about things. He's always going to sort of push and prod. And I think I liked that. There, was, he was kind of like on the edge of being a fucking on the whole thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my last like is with Rod at the end there where he rocks. <laughs> And his comment of um, T.S. motherfucker day. Yeah, yeah. We get shit handled. <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. And I also kind of like the fact that he didn't kill her. It's one of those ones where the alternate ending was also really good. Yeah. Like, I look at the alternate ending and I, I, I think in some ways, in terms of the message, that that might have played out even better, but I, you yeah. know, that's not to say I don't like, I don't like the other one. But yeah, the, the alternate ending where he he actually gets arrested, the flashing lights that turn up are the cops, and he actually gets arrested. Ah, and the ending of it is Rod visiting him in prison, and he's kind of like Rod's trying to sort of get him, trying to work with him to get him out, and he just kind of says, "No, I'm, I, I'm done. I beat him." But he's, you know, finishes up in prison without the prospect of getting mm. out. It's sort of like, I think in terms of the message that he was going for, that that probably even played out. That was more sort of stark and more, more of a, um, possibly more impactful. But but in saying that, I can't be displeased. As you said, the, the ending with Rod was also fucking excellent, and and you kind of wanted it to end on that high note. Yeah, I do agree. The alternate ending probably packed a bit more punch from the sense of the message behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still felt the finale was, was a nice way to, to end it up. Yeah. And kind of bringing Rod into the picture at the end just kind of ties the loose ends up. Yeah, absolutely. Because Rod had kind of – he kind of gets a bit more screen time in the last sort of half an hour. I mean, I don't know if you have any more likes. Yeah, I actually – there was there was a couple that we sort of went past that I didn't I didn't mention, but when they're first meeting on the doorstep, again this was yep. this was as we mentioned Jordan Peele being a sure hand. It was kind of cliche. The scenario worked out really well where Chris is meeting the parents on the doorstep and whatever, and they're hugging and whatever, and then we yeah. get the shot. At what end up ends up of being Walter. Walter, I believe, is just sort of watching on, just starting to build up that 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 sense of things not being right. Also, on the rewatch, the tour of the house is fucking great. Like, there's tons of the foreshadowing, you know, talking yeah. about experiencing other people's cultures. Uh, as you said, the Jesse Owen stuff and the pictures, him going on about Hitler's Aryan bullshit. That's right. It starts to build up this picture of they're being overly nice, but then when he makes the Hitler's comment, and you go back to it and you're like, well, fuck, they're basically going with the same message, but we'll just take the bodies. You know, yeah. Just, like yeah, it was it, yeah. The the, the really tour, stuff. the tour on rewatch is just yeah. I thought it was excellent. 
And then when he walks in and he goes, oh, mother loved the kitchen, so we kept a piece of her in there. And it's the fucking, what turns out to be his mother in the body of the woman when he, when oh, they're in their yes. talk. Like some su- such great stuff that just doesn't, yeah. doesn't ring the bells on first, first glance, but when you go back, you're like, holy shit, he's just laid it all out there. Um, yeah, and I dug that, you know, kind of all the stuff comes back. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just excellent. That was it for me. Okay. I only really have one dislike, and it is that when they pull away from Chris after he's been tied up and go to Rod, where he makes a few calls and he finds out that Andre is missing and all that, it just kind of diluted the tension a little bit too much for me. Yeah. We spend a little too much time with Rod. Yeah, and the, so the phone call. I like the idea of letting the valve off, but you let it off for a little too long there. Yeah, I think so. The phone call to, um, is that where he makes the phone Rose. call to Rose and tries to record it as well? Yeah. Which, yeah, I think the idea there, like that scene started off, well, the phone call to her started off quite well. Yeah. But the go- going to the recording part, I agree. I felt like that didn't didn't quite work as well and possibly hung around a little bit too long, especially because yep. we just sort of started to get to, right, we know we're about to kick off, given that, you know, the time of the, the time in the movie that was left and where it's gotten to, the structure of the story, we were sort of thinking, yeah, this is where we kick off. We're going to actually find out what's going on. So there was probably a sense yeah. of kind of anticipation and we kind of wanted to get back there as well. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think that. Didn't think I mean, that I know we had to go back to Rod. Because we needed to find out that he had, he had done a little bit of investigative work and he's going to turn up yep. at the end. But we we could have condensed it perhaps. Even if we just cut down some of it because it just felt like it went on for a little too long. Yeah, I agree. But that's all I had. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't have any either. I, I probably could have even let that one slide a little bit too because... It was just again. Yeah, I, I mean, I was ex- it hardly affects the. Yeah, I was expecting a little bit of a, a letdown because, as you said, I, you know, I was the same when I saw it in the cinemas. I enjoyed it so much that I was thinking, "Is there going to be like a bit of an ine- inevitable letdown?" But there wasn't at all. Mm. So I was really happy with that. It went up. Yeah, which is rare. Usually I'm looking at these through a lens a couple of years later, and I'm saying, "Well, uh, it's not quite as good as I remember it." But not in this case. It just, again, it's such a layered film, I think, that it makes it impossible not to find more yeah. in amongst it all. Yep. So nothing else from you? No, that's it, mate. All right, that is Get Out. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook, Thrill Me Podcast Australia, and at Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. Please rate and review us if you can. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Now, the next episode, Jared, I believe we're going to go with The Warriors. Is that correct? Yes. From 1979. Looking forward to it. A fair to say a classic in the action in the action world. Well, you know, to a certain so section of people, viewing. me included. Yes. I have not seen it for a long, 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 long time. Mm. 
So hoping that um, we, we can get Maddie back on deck for that as well. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me or one word or lowercase at iinet.net.au.